Hi, and welcome to Film Forums. I'm Richard Williams, creator of this platform, a place dedicated to the filmmaking community. We interview members of the film industry to find out what it really takes to make a movie, bring a script to screen, or secure their acting role. If that sounds good to you, please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on your favourite podcasting platform so you can be the first to know when an episode drops. Thank you. Today's guest is actor and filmmaker, Kasi Tagonas. Looking back, do you think that your time at the New York Film Academy was a necessary transformative experience for you, or do you think you would have made it to where you are now, regardless? I can't strongly enough recommend to anyone who's thinking about getting into acting how important it is to actually learn the skill set that you need in order to succeed. For me personally, the New York Film Academy was a really fantastic experience. I took full advantage of everything that they had to offer. Their acting program works in conjunction with their filmmaking program. The huge advantage of that was I was able to implement what I was learning in my classes with filmmakers hands-on. And a lot of people say, you know, that hands-on training is really the best way to learn. If someone wants to be an electrician, what do they do? They're just going to take apart an outlet and hope for the best? No, they're going to learn a trade and they're going to learn how to do it properly so that they don't blow themselves out of the room and electrocute themselves when they're fixing outlets. So I tell I tend to tell people it's the same it's the same type of idea with acting. Of course you have to you, you like athletics, you can have raw talent and have a wild imagination, but you still need to hone that and you need training in order to do that. So my years at the New York Film Academy were invaluable, not just from the acting perspective, but also for the networking expe- uh, perspective. What I really, really liked was because they had so many opportunities to hear speakers, I got to hear Christopher Plummer speak. I went to a Q&A with him and just seeing how, how real it was and that, that he's just a person too. And being able to see someone who's you know, been in the game for a long time and is successful, I think especially early on in your stages and being able to interact with those people and ask them a question, take a picture, whatever, is, is really important to see that you too can get to that place. I think probably the most in-depth, brutal Q&A that I had at the New York Film Academy was with Melissa Leo. Melissa Leo painted a bleak picture of the industry, but not in the sense where she was basically telling people there was no way that they were going to make it and that you can't succeed or whatever. She just told people really bluntly that it's hard and that you mentally have to be prepared to not work for extended periods of time. And, you know, she just really got into that. And I remember a lot of people sitting back in that Q&A because it was packed and everyone's kind of getting disappointed. They're like, oh, it's not going to be easy to make it as an actor. Like, really? It's, it's going to be difficult. And my, I was sitting in my seat and I was like, oh, this is good stuff. I'm like, she's, she's being real. Like, this means like everything that she's saying, I was like mentally prepared to do. So I felt like listening to her, what other people would have thought of as like a very negative view of the industry and what it takes to be a successful actor, et cetera, to me was just a very realist portrait of what was going on. And I appreciated the fact that someone wasn't sugarcoating it. It helped me actually mentally prepare for what I had kind of imagined would be potential scenarios. But it actually just reinforced what I had been kind of thinking all along. And, and I thanked her at the end. I waited till everyone spoke to her. And I was just like, thank you so much for that. That was great. You know, and I was really excited. But it was really funny because I felt like the majority of the people that were at that Q&A that day were really dejected when it, they came to the realization that it, it's not going to be, a, oh, look at me. I'm talented. I'm going to be a star, right? I'm just going to show up in Hollywood and someone's going to find me. Like, it doesn't work that way. 
You know, very for very, very few people does it work that way. I even did 50 student films when I was at the New York Film Academy. So when I graduated, I actually had a reel to show for myself. And I also took the time during my very little free time that I had to learn how to write. So I wrote my first feature length screenplay when I was at the New York Film Academy because of the people that I met around me. I, you know, I got cool with the teacher's assistants. I got cool with other filmmakers. And I felt really well enabled to kind of take on like an indie filmmaking career after I got out of, of New York Film Academy. But I also felt like I had um, not honed, but I had laid the foundation for my acting skill set, which when you're going to school, what else can you ask for? Right. If you don't mind, it's time for some name drops, if that's okay. You've appeared in movies that have starred the likes of Keanu Reeves, Denzel Washington, and more recently, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock, and Wesley Snipes. Did you get to spend much time with any of them on set? And if so, did you learn anything in particular from them from an acting perspective? Did you get to observe them? It's really interesting when you're working or meeting someone that's in the layer cake and what you would consider like an A-list talent. You never know what to expect. You never really know what their methodology is going to be. I tend to just, when I'm there, is just kind of, I'm going to see what they're going to give me in the scene, right? First and foremost, because again, it's their show. So you, you, you're kind of there supporting them. So it's, it, to me, it's just like, what do they need when they're working? Eddie, his approach to like, like in, in, in Dolomite, how he created the character is very Eddie Murphy, like because you've seen so many of his movies, you've actually gotten a really good gauge of his personality, right? Because he injects a lot of himself into his roles. So uh, he's just super like, you know, let's see how this goes. And seeing him work, yeah, he's incredibly relaxed, which comes from a place of what I consider, I think, incredible confidence. Because, of course, he knows he's funny or whatever, but he also had a really driving passion for telling the, that Dolomite story. Uh, he'd been trying to get that movie done for like 15 years. Um, we, you know, by, by our little group, the, the, the brothers, we played the, the Bahari brothers in the film, played the record execs. Uh, we got a chance, a, a chance to chat with them. And I realized, I was like, well, this is why he's, he, 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 you could feel the passion through what he was doing because he really cared about the material. Like there was like a love for telling that character's story. And I think that there's something to be said for that. I think that actors when when we're entering a role we have to in order to really put forth our best performance i think we need to find things about the characters that we're playing that we love you just have to find things that relate to you and be able to kind of like harness them and and create something that you enjoy playing if you're not enjoying your place in that role audiences will feel that working with denzel denzel's very focused very intense his character in the Equalizer films is very, it's a, it's, he's a dark character. Like he's killed a lot of people. There's a lot of this built up aggression in him. Some actors are very loose and then some are very focused and he's a very focused actor. You know, you hear about roles like Heath Ledger and people that get super into their stuff. Uh, I've, I've always just kind of, this is my character. This is me. You know, I'll find traits that mix or whatever. But yeah. when I go home every day, I feel like I left it on the set. For me, that's really important to do uh, because we are emotional. So it's like if you get really emotionally involved and you hold that in you, I feel like that could have long term effects. I circle back to what Melissa Leo said in her Q&A. She said after she wraps on a movie, she needs like two days to just decompress and just allow that character that she created to kind of like leave her essence. And I think there's something to that, you know, because you have to kind of cleanse yourself and just like let because on screen we do a lot of crazy things. And then, of course, you know, Keanu was great. He's, he's just there to make, like, a great project, and you can feel that. Like, I was on set for the first John Wick, 
And everyone was excited on that movie. I mean, they, I think they knew they were making something special. I was about to say, actually, you preempted the next question. Um, did you suspect it was going to be a very popular movie when you read the script and or when you were on set? You know, when I, when I realized they were doing something really cool was when I watched the stunt team rehearsals. And I was on set where, you know, you get a lot of wait around time, you know, if an actor's late, whatever. So there'll be times you have to, but, but the, the stunt guys were rehearsing this sequence that was going on around a car. Because when I was on set, there was only a little bit left for them to shoot. They were almost finished. They were like a, a couple of days away from finishing the movie. So they had this other sequence and I'm sitting there and I'm watching them rehearse. And I was like, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that on screen. I was like, that is interesting. Like, I was like, wow. You know, and that because I didn't, you know, I don't actually have a fight scene in the movie. I end up getting shot like from a distance. So I didn't really up until that moment, I really didn't get a chance to see any of the fight choreography. But I got to sit there and I watched, you know, while I was waiting, I probably watched them for a good like 45 minutes to see what they were doing. And I thought it was incredibly unique. And I think that's really what people liked about the John Wick films was that first off, the R-rated action film has kind of gotten forgotten. And I think that audiences are craving that type of content because a lot of us grew up on that type of content and everything can't be PG-13 and have a cape nowadays. So like there is an audience for that movie. And I think John Wick proved, you know, an equalizer as well. Equalizer, both films did, you know, $200 million in the box office. So like this R-rated kind of content is definitely, I, I feel like audiences want it. They want to, they want to see more of it. And I think uh, they really delivered with, with John Wick and, Keanu, again, really cares about the material, really wanted to see a good product. Like there was a sequence that we shot and they blew this stuff up around him. And he's like, well, and they ended up using it in the trailer and he's walking past with all the flames and all this stuff. And when he sat down in the chair next to me, I was like, I was like, you know, that's going to be the poster, right? I was like, that right there is the poster. And he's like, it looked good. I was like, oh yeah, it looked good. <laughs> And it did. And sure enough, it's like the, the image on the DVD case is him walking through these flames and stuff. And they did. But I was so happy just to be able, you know, it's my first big thing that I was on. So to just be there to witness this moment of an A-lister who I've been watching my entire life in this like iconic moment of walking through these flames, which in the movie is in like slow motion. And, you know, you, you just I was like so appreciative of just being there and seeing it. And I'm just really happy that even though I had a small role, uh, I was able to be part of what I think is you know, action film history. Absolutely. What's the um, biggest challenge that you've overcome to make it to the stage you have as an actor, do you think? Everyone's acting path is different, right? Everyone's career path is different. I realized very early on that I didn't have any, um, you know, familial collect connections into the industry, that I was really going to have to build this up on my own. When you're kind of like fighting a battle, sometimes you really would like to get a leg up and you end up developing relationships as you go and you and then people will come out of the blue to help you. And it's just like this you, because you really don't know who's going to end up helping you or if someone's going to help you at all or whatever. But I think really the biggest challenge is just patience. If you're putting forth the work and I mean, I mean, firing all cylinders type of work. OK, I'm talking about like, you know, for actors nowadays, the idea of not developing your own content is a mistake. You have to develop your own content. You have to take as much control of your career as you can. I think if actors think that that model of I'm just going to audition and things will come together, yeah, that, that can happen. It definitely can and it will. But then you're basically leaving your entire career in the hands of other people, which to me is a very scary place to be. So for me, I think it was me. I was develop, you know, I've been developing content 
I've been auditioning. I worked my way up the layer cake from, you know, booking an industrial for the U.S. Army to getting a commercial to getting another commercial. Then they brought me in for I ended up doing three industrials for the U.S. Army altogether. And then I ended up booking three commercials. And I had in the time I had also hired a career coach to kind of guide me because I felt like I was on the right path, but I didn't know for sure. And, you know, finding the people that are willing to guide you and help you. Uh, is an important thing. And sometimes you have to pay money to those people to do that, right? Like you find someone who makes a career like as a career coach, as an acting career coach. And I, I hired Gwen Gillis from the actor's market and she really helped me get to that place. But all the time, you got to be patient because there's always a delay. There's really for very few people in our careers, there the idea of instant gratification, right? It's That's just delayed gratification is the thing. Delayed gratification. Patience, I think, is the is the biggest because you never know when the opportunities are going to come. And all you can do is continuously keep moving forward, keep moving forward, exercising yourself creatively, get better at what you're doing so that when the opportunity comes, you're ready to just hit it as hard as you can. What do you wish you'd known about screenwriting when you wrote your first script? Uh, proper formatting. It was so bad. My first draft was so bad because I didn't know anything. I just bought like final draft and then started writing and everything was for me, I, like totally formatted incorrectly. I had to like, you know, my teacher's assistant and my friend at the time sat me down. And he said, hey, man, we, we, we got to fix this. And we sat, uh, we sat down and we kind of ripped through it from the formatting. And then, of course, you start to learn about like the three act structure. And, you know, it, it's just it's like a process. It's really a learning, like learning how to write is a, is a process. And it's a it's an ongoing process, because if I go back and read something that I read eight years ago, I'm like, this is filthy. This is trash, uh, and which I do. Like now during COVID, I've been going back and and doing a lot of rewrites on stuff that I haven't touched in years, and I'm 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 reading it, and I'm like, what was I thinking? <laughs> what? What is this description? We all get that. We all get that. <laughs> yeah, but you know, re- screenwriting is is really just being open to the process, and and that's one thing that I always, whether it was screenwriting or acting, I always wanted to, or even directing or whatever. It's like. Initially, you have to be a sponge and you just have to learn and you have to be you have to be okay with hearing that what you did wasn't great. You got to set the ego aside because if you want to improve, you have to admit that you're not perfect. I wrote that first draft. I thought it was awesome. I was like, this is the most awesome screenplay ever. Right. Like when I first one I ever wrote, I'm like, this is so great. But you go on and, you know, you go on and shortly thereafter, you realize, oh, wow, there's a lot of holes in this. There's a lot of things we need to fix. And the dialogue is horrible because all my characters sound exactly the same. So let's you know let's just start picking it apart and 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 working it and uh it's it's an ongoing process so i like that i made a lot of mistakes because for me learning from those mistakes is what makes me you know what helps me improve as a writer do you think your experiences in the challenging environments of amateur boxing and being a restaurant owner mean that you're able to perform better under pressure on camera as an actor when you've been punched in the face in front of like 200 people what's getting in front of the camera the, the boxing thing uh, really taught, I think, you know, I, I lost fights, never, I was never knocked out or anything like that. But, you know, the, the, you learn a lot more from your losses than your wins, because your, your wins really are just an affirmation of your ego and just kind of like, tell you how cool you are, right? Like, you're like, oh, I won, man, right? But when you lose, especially in something like boxing, it, it really forces a, um, a different train of thought. You have to still move on as a human being. You know, you can dwell on your loss for a moment, but like you still life goes on. Right. And, and you have to kind of like learn how to mentally what, what, what went wrong. How did it go wrong? 
why did it go wrong? Was my head in the right space? All these different questions that you go through, and it forces you to kind of analyze what happened. And sometimes you're emotional, you're upset, or whatever you lose, especially like you know tight decisions where a lot of people thought you won, right? And and you thought you won, and then they they announce the other guy, and you're like, wait, what? Like what happened, right? That that's happened, and those are very frustrating. But in those losses, I think is where you really can develop your character. I think through the losses is where you really find out who you are. Acting is just a series of losses. Acting is losing over and over again. And I say that, and people probably shake their head, but like you audition a hundred times, you book two roles, right? You've lost 98 times. It takes a mental strength to be able to deal with that and not let it get to you. And I learned that from boxing. Like that, that definitely came from boxing. Like, the, like not accepting a loss and saying, oh, it's all right, I lost, but just being like, all right, I lost. I know why I lost, but in acting, sometimes you don't even know why you lose. And, and it's fine because it's, again, you're not getting punched in the face. You know, <laughs> it's not like you're walking in the room and you got people attacking you and you got to fight your way out. No, that's, that's all mental. Right. So initially it kind of, I've always enjoyed performing because actually before I boxed, I was actually a figure skater and I used to get in front of crowds and perform. And that was really, I didn't realize that that was like what I enjoyed about skating the most. I didn't really enjoy competing. I enjoyed the performing aspect. Boxing kind of takes the fear out of like, I already enjoy performing, but there's no like compared to like knowing that you're actually going to be physically attacked and having to move and, and negotiate through that versus just walking in front of a room and just doing something in front of them and hoping that they like it. And if they, but if they don't, whatever. And I think from the acting, per, like for the acting perspective, from as far as the restaurant went, I think the restaurant that I owned actually helped me when it came to development of characters. The life experience from owning that restaurant and all of the adversity that I had to deal with in, in, in ways that people that just go to a nine to five have no idea. The pressure that you feel, the um, catching people stealing, your employees, you know, uh, not showing up to work. You know, something goes wrong, the electric goes out for no reason, and your restaurant's the only one on the block with no electricity, you know, just like plumbing issues, like like all these like physical things that go wrong, and then all the things that you have to do with, with all the different personalities, and then the customers themselves, because I was in a college town, and I had, it was like in the middle of like a cultural crossroads, I had college town, and I met so many interesting characters, whether I liked them or not, they were etched into my memory forever, and I'll read a script nowadays. I get a script come in and I'll go, you know, a guy just like this. I'll be like, I, I, I used to come in my restaurant and I instantly am able to come up with character ideas. And, and that's from meeting such a wide variety and so many different people in like a, a, a four and a half year span. And I have a catalog of different types of people in my mind yeah. that I can reference at any given time. Wow, okay. It really did repay you then. That's brilliant. Um, you co-wrote and starred in multi-award winning short film, Standing Eight, about a boxer who is forced to retire from boxing after being diagnosed with lupus. I understand that the movie was created to raise awareness as your mother has the condition. To those who don't know, can you briefly explain what lupus is and where people can watch the movie with proceeds going to lupus research? So lupus is a autoimmune disease wherein the body's immune system attacks healthy organs and tissues. There is no cure. The average time to get diagnosed is six years. For my mother, it actually took over 10 years. She thinks that she experienced her first flare at the age of 16. So really, 
you're talking about about a good 15 years that they took for her to get diagnosed. It's like a, it's a big chunk of time to not know what's going on with your body. Lupus can affect any part of your body. One person's symptoms could be completely different from another person's symptoms, which is why it, I think is the, the issue with diagnosing the disease. Luckily, recently, there have been a lot of strides. There's a company called Exogen, which has developed a test where it's like a standalone test. Before, for people to get diagnosed with lupus, they'd go through a series of tests and evaluations, whereas now Exogen has actually developed a one-time test that can not only tell you whether you have lupus or not, but tell you how active it is in your system. It's, It's critical for people that are experiencing symptoms but don't know what's going on now. And then also there have been some very prominent people in entertainment that have been diagnosed with lupus. Um, Ava DuVernay recently came out that she had lupus. Uh, Selena Gomez uh, just flaunted her scar because she had a kidney transplant. Seal, I think, you know, a lot of people know the singer Seal. The scars that he has on his face are from lupus. So it's it's something to be, you know, it's, it's something that I think needs awareness. There's 1.5 million people in the world that have lupus, but I would speculate there are significantly more because of the delay in diagnosing and the lack of awareness just within the medical community alone. The lupus journey for me and my mother was really me watching what she was dealing with, never quite understanding it. Uh, And then when we decided to make Standing Eight, I just wanted to really just do a project that carried some emotional weight that actually could help people. And it was really kind of just a warm up with my production team. We wanted to do a short film together, something, you know, straightforward that we could all kind of show off our talents. I knew that I wanted to involve like the lupus angle. And then we wanted to involve boxing because at the time I hadn't been cast as a boxer yet. And my, my co-producer was like, well, you want to do boxing? You want to do lupus? He was like, why don't you just make the boxer get lupus? We were like, oh, And then as you do a little more research, you find out that out of lupus patients, only 10% of lupus patients are actually men. And we ended up telling the story of a minority group of lupus patients, right? And it was like the minority of a minority because men who have lupus are, you know, they have a really tough journey because it's almost, it's basically considered a woman's disease. I think it was a really good step in in the right direction because there's not a lot of projects that use lupus as a plot device. I think raising awareness for a group that has been severely underrepresented. Lupus affects mostly minority women. I feel like this is a disease that people should know about. This is something that people should be aware of. So I think that Standing 8 was just a a small step, but it just opened uh, a lot of doors to work with like the lupus community, to work with the Lupus Foundation of America. They were able to use it and offer a tool to raise awareness. The support groups would hold screenings and it just kind of turned into this thing after we had our run in the film festivals. And the film ended up landing uh, on Amazon and then on Vimeo were available in every single country in the world. I'm happy that it was able to be used for what its original intention was uh, to help raise awareness for the disease. And really, I, I look at the film as just a conversation starter. You know, this professional boxer ends up getting sick uh, on, when he's preparing for like the biggest fight of his life and he was experiencing kind of very general symptoms, fatigue and joint pain. And he's forced to retire because you can't be a professional fighter and, and have a, a chronic autoimmune illness. It's just really about him psychologically dealing with not being able to do the thing that you love. And finally, what are you working on now slash next? I've got a couple of projects that are still going to be released. Who knows when now? 
can't really talk about them. There's a horror film that they haven't started to publicize yet called Shimmer. It's about an entity that actually moves through light instead of like a horror movie that takes place in the dark. This thing moves through light. So it's a very interesting take on the horror genre. So I'm excited for that to come out. I think it's a, it's a fun project. Writing, uh, and I've been developing a feature film using lupus as a, as a plot device along the same line as Standing 8 involving like fighting and lupus. And uh, I think just, you know, with a feature film, I'm able to elaborate on a lot of these ideas and concepts and just, you know, flush out the story and the effects of the disease and, and whatnot. That's kind of been my baby. But I've also, you know, started rewriting a lot of my old stuff because I figure why not just update it and at least get it to a point where I can read it without like feeling myself kind of go. Yeah, I, I've just been trying to be as, as, as creative as possible. And, and I think being creative, like writing or even I, I even got back into drawing a little bit. Right. It's just like it's good to have your, your healthy creative outlet to to just keep your mind busy and, and focused on actually seeing something come to fruition, whether it's like an idea that becomes a screenplay, the seeing it come from, you know, conception in your mind to putting it on paper and reading it, you know, and writing it out. And it's, it's a good sense of accomplishment that I think we all need at this time. Kasi Tagonas, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been really interesting um, listening to you talk so passionately about lupus awareness and uh, your filmmaking career to date. So thank you. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on your favourite podcasting platform. Visit film-forums.com for more.